This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, October 27, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. The city of Seattle is famous for its very high minimum wage. Now voters in the state of Washington will consider hiking the minimum wage and close the gap. Chris Cargill with the Washington Policy Center discusses some of the lesser-known impacts of such a major change in policy. What drove Seattle in particular and what is driving now Washington more broadly to raise a minimum wage to the highest in the country? Sure. Well, we already had one of the highest minimum wages in in the country, uh, and it automatically goes up each and every year um, at 9.47 an hour right now. Um, and based on an initiative that we passed in the late 1990s, Washington State's minimum wage is based on a consumer price uh, index uh, in Seattle. Um, and it automatically increases each and every year based on that. Um, and that's troubling for many folks in the eastern part of the state and rural parts of, of Washington State. Um, and I think uh, the, the people of Washington State uh, decided that they were going to base that uh, a minimum wage on a number of different factors, but decided it was fair to just have it automatically go up each and every year based on that CPI. Um, over the past few years, the conversation in the Seattle area in particular has been kind of the conversation that has unfolded in the, the Bernie Sanders uh, wing of the Democratic Party, that it's it's fair to go up to a, a higher minimum wage in the 12 to 13 to 14, maybe even $15 an hour. Uh, and it's particularly uh, Kashama Samwant and her group, uh, Kashama Samwant is a Seattle City Council member, uh, pushed over the past couple of years t- for a $15 an hour minimum wage in Seattle. Uh, the $15 now folks uh, pushed for this in the Seattle area. They got it approved about a, a year and a half ago, I believe it was. Um, and uh, and it, the rest became history. And so they started implementing this on a, a scale, a step scale a basis in the Seattle area. It has not gone up to the full $15 yet, uh, but it's uh, stepping up uh, to that point uh, in Seattle. Now they're at 12, and we're already starting to see some of the damaging influences of that. It's a real-life case study uh, unfolding in Seattle, uh, not only for the Northwest, but really the rest of the country, where we're, we're seeing some of the damaging in influences, not just for businesses, because we already know some of the Im- impacts that it will have on businesses, but really for the workers uh, who, yeah, some of them will also see uh, the the higher wages, but they're also going to see some of the, the drawbacks in terms of lost benefits and other things that they will uh, they will be seeing. So uh, one of the things that businesses do long before uh, a regulatory change or a labor mar- a labor regulation change goes into effect is they they begin to disinvest. And so, to what extent have we seen? businesses in Seattle disinvest or shift their uh, facilities outside the city. Right. We've seen a number of restaurants simply stop hiring or cut back the number of workers that they've had. Uh, We saw those numbers come out from the St. Louis Fed in terms of the number of restaurant workers in the city of Seattle going down or in the Seattle metropolitan area going down whereas the number of restaurant workers in the entire state of Washington and, and other metro areas in the state of Washington uh, going up. So that's one interesting statistic. And for people who are not 
uh, familiar with the state of Washington, the reason why that's so interesting is because the Seattle area, in terms of the economy of the Seattle area, is really the booming part of the state of Washington. So when you see the number of restaurant workers in the Seattle area going down, that's really a cause for for concern because really the number of restaurants in, and the number of restaurant workers in the city of Seattle should be going up. It should be tracking with the with the economic activity in the Seattle area, and, and yet it's not. And what we're seeing is is that is happening. Those numbers are starting to come down consistent with the uh, minimum wage in the city of Seattle going up. Uh, we don't know for sure that those two numbers are connected, but really the numbers would tell you that perhaps they are connected. We're also starting to see restaurants and other uh, industries in the city of Seattle uh, cut back on things like tipping and tip uh, uh, lines on their bills. So when when patrons go into restaurants, they're no longer able to offer uh, the waiters and waitresses that serve them the, the tips that they often deserve because restaurants have simply decided, you know what, if, if, our, uh, if our waiters and waitresses are going to get $12, $13, $15 an hour, we're just going to build that into the cost of, of the product. And so, again, there are always these trade-offs, these drawbacks that a lot of people don't really realize are there. So uh, one thing you uh, point out is that Washington State does not have tip credit workers. First, explain what a tip credit worker is sure. and uh, how that uh, affects uh, a minimum wage increase. Sure, yeah. So tip credits are obviously there to make sure that we have the opportunity for our waiters and waitresses to to keep the amount of money that they that they earn in tips uh, and yet earn slightly below or, or somewhat below what the minimum wage is perhaps in their state. So many states will make it so that perhaps a, a waiter or waitress does not earn the minimum wage. Perhaps they earn 50% of the minimum wage and then they get to keep their tips on top of that. In Washington State, that's not the way it works. In Washington State, you earn the full minimum wage, uh, and then perhaps you get to keep your tips on top of that as well. So in many in many respects, uh, you have a, a, a good deal in Washington State. If you're a waiter or a waitress, you make the full minimum wage plus your tips on top of that. That is until your tips start getting taken away from you, uh, in which case we're starting to see now play out in Seattle, where the tip credit line, or the tip line, I should say, is now being taken away uh, in many of these restaurants because the, the price of the product is just too much. Um, and so uh, you, you start to see in, in some other states, if the minimum wage is being increased, uh, at the very least, uh, there is a tip credit built into the into the the proposal. That is not the case in Washington State, and now the entire state is being asked to vote on an initiative that would take the entire state of Washington, not just Seattle, but the entire state, to thirteen fifty an hour, and there is no tip credit built into that proposal. You could see uh, restaurant workers, in addition to having other benefits cut, you could see restaurant workers. Uh, who are earning a higher minimum wage actually see their incomes go down. Absolutely. They could lose their tips. Uh, the tips that they depend on to make a, a pretty decent salary uh, go down because of this proposal. Uh, that's absolutely correct. How does this affect young people? The, one of the frequent complaints about minimum wages in general is that you are discouraged from hiring people with less experience who frankly, aren't worth whatever the minimum wage is when they begin working. 
and that is sort of a standard complaint about minimum wages. How does this play out in Washington? Yeah, teen training wages are a big part of this as well because uh, teenagers uh, oftentimes don't get the experience that they need. You know, that first job, that first opportunity to to come and learn how to check in and check out, get on the clock, get off the clock for the first time. They don't get that experience because the minimum wage is so high. Uh, um, these these industries, businesses say, look, if I'm gonna uh, have uh, the the requirement that I have to pay someone fifteen dollars an hour. I'm not going to hire any teenagers. And part of this law, not only in the city of Seattle, but the initiative that the people of Washington State are voting on right now, does not have the opportunity to have a teen training wage. Uh, and that's really damaging for our young people in Washington State. Not have the opportunity to to pay them perhaps 80% of the minimum wage to at least give them the opportunity to get their foot in the door. Um, Steve Moore, an economist who uh, many people uh, uh, know, uh, said, look, you know, I have a, a, a 15, 16-year-old son, I can't remember what his age is, but said, you know, when, when I uh, think about his uh, opportunity to go out and get a job, I'm not uh, pushing for him to go out and get a job simply because I want him to make $15 an hour. I want him to go out there and get a job so that he learns that responsibility. That first job is about getting that responsibility, not necessarily uh, to make that $15 an hour. And that's really what we're taking away from our from our young people these days. Are there any states that are even close to Seattle? And as you said, Washington State is considering approaching the Seattle minimum wage. But right. is, there, is there any state that's even close? I think uh, New York uh, is talking about going up to 1350 for certain industries, if I remember correctly, but I, uh, but not for the entire state, uh, from what I was told. Uh, Washington State would be the first to have it for the entire state. And what's remarkable uh, about Washington State's proposal is that it would be 1350 for for everyone. I mean, the, the Seattle proposal for $15 an hour has an exemption for businesses that have uh, five or fewer employees. Uh, the $13.50 an hour proposal for the entire state, there is no exemption. There is no exception for even the smallest of the small. And in our state's uh, second largest city in Spokane, for instance, we have uh, 65% of the businesses in the city of Spokane that have fewer than five employees. So we're talking about a number of small businesses that really could be damaged by a $13.50 an hour minimum wage. Chris Cargill is with the Washington Policy Center. We spoke earlier this month in Nashville, Tennessee. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.